and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland Review Show. Uh, the wonderful world of Wearside had another hectic week as Roy Keane turned out to be not that keen after all. A new manager was announced by almost everyone but the club itself and our new right back was mixed up with the club media man and of course Charles Harry Finlayson Methven, yes really, once again appeared in the director's box despite resigning from it in 2019. Oh, and in case you forgot, Sunderland failed to win again as they drew 1-1 with relegation-threatened Wimbledon. But we're here to cheer you up. It'll be all right. I'm sure we can... Uh, gallows humour, we are well-reversed in... Uh, reserved, reversed? Reversed? Uh, whatever the word may be. We are rehearsed well in it. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and to oversee another mad week and another frustrating weekend, first and foremost, regular guest Dave Lawrence. Dave, you all right, mate? Yeah, very well, man. <laughs> as far as things go in terms of uh, the wonderful world of Sunland, I'm not bad. I quite enjoyed my, uh, is it alliteration? Wonderful world of Wearside. I thought, <laughs> pretty good. That would make a decent book. Um, and back by popular demand, um, I have to say, to be honest, is uh, Sunland Central Scottish branch main man, Phil Wilson. Phil, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Um, if we're talking about non-football matters, yes, I'm all right. Uh <laughs> If we're talking about football, then no, not really. I mean, I even sat through the Mags winning this afternoon as well. So, yeah, it's all pretty depressing when it comes to football. But uh, I'm guessing we're going to be talking about football quite a bit the next half hour or so. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Uh, <laughs> the show did sort of start, I suppose, at the beginning of the season as a, a review or a reaction show, whichever you want to refer it to. Um, but the more is that the weeks and the months roll on with Sunday FC, it's become probably more than a match reaction. So I'm sure we'll mention that Wimbledon game. But if you're here solely for football talk, you might be a bit disappointed um, because there's so much going on with it. But we'll start off with the obvious. Now, I'll come to you first, Dave. Um, it's a new man at the helm and Alex Neal. It was a bit of a mad 72 hours. You had Roy Keane virtually confirmed and on the cusp of being appointed and smirking at us through... Um, he's wonderful salt and pepper beard and then I'm sitting in Budapest going oh Kawe Kino Kino and that was it he's out the running he's gone all the smirking was for nothing and then Alex Neal is imminent and you think right brilliant okay fair enough I'm, I'm on board with that or I certainly was you know I, I wanted Roy Keane I think Alex Neal's a good appointment we'll get into it but um, everyone confirmed it apart from the club which was one of the most bizarre things ever. And then Nick Barnes shouted at them, rightly so, and then they confirmed it. Um, but before we get into the thoughts on the new man, Dave, and bear in mind to listeners, Dave has had one or two drinks here, so uh, it's my funeral. It was my choice. What was your general assessment in serious terms on the club's search for you know, a new boss in that 10, 11, 12 days that led up to Alex Neal actually being appointed? Man, I'm not sure there is a serious response for it, is there? For as much as I might have had a sherbet or two, like <laughs> really. I mean, it's, it's gallows humour, isn't it? You're trying, you're trying your best to be like, ah. I mean, I've posted more memes on the the Twitter feed in the past fortnight than I ever have in my life, and I think that's that's my way of dealing with the fact that I think it's shambolic. Yeah. That's it, man. I mean, we. The problem is to. 98% of the world's population, it's probably hilarious. The problem is our mere 1%, which is in our in our circles, is huge. It's not hilarious in any way, shape or form. <laughs> There's nothing about our football club which is hilarious. And as much as I'd like it to be, I'd be quite happy sitting 
10th in the championship, not even 10th in the Premier League, 10th in the championship. Everything's just going swimmingly and just cracks on. But honestly, I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, I think I think Nick Barnes hit, hit the nail on the head and that's how it comes across to the outside world. And you've got to remember that Charlie Salmon Pants loves a bit of PR because apparently that's what he does every day. Like, we... He's the worst PR We're going to go into him a bit deeper, listeners. Don't worry. But, I mean, for a PR man, I've got to be honest, he's had quite a few gaffes. But but you're right in what you're saying. It it is, you know, and and I I do feel as much as I actually really enjoyed the first season of Something Until I Die, not so much the second one, apart from the four-minute segment that I randomly had a bit in, which I was edited very well. (laughs) Thanks very much, Netflix. Cheers. Um... It, 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 I think Netflix has made it where we're like that stereotypical banter club. And for some reason, Sunland in my lifetime, you know, especially recently, have kind of served up that banter on a regular basis. And it does get to a point where, I mean, you've seen, we're going to dig into it, but there's been a lot of people this week saying that, you know, that's it, I'm done. And the annoying thing is, we've all said it at one point, and we know we're not because it's kind of injected into us the minute we're born. To quote Simon Ramson, the minute you're born in Sunderland, who do you love? Sunderland, who do you hate? The Mags. Um, I mean, he's got FTM on his tessies. I don't, to be fair, so he's gone one step ahead of me. But um, Phil, you're quite good at articulating thoughts on this, and you're one of the more positive fans I've I've came across in our trust that we've had. Um, But I think even it's got to you a bit this week. What did you make of those sort of 10, 11, 12 days leading up to Alex Neal's appointment? Uh, yeah, I have to be positive, Graham, just to obviously counteract your uh, <laughs> opposite uh, nature. So if you kind of bring that out of me a little bit. <laughs> Sadness. But yeah, you, you should see me sitting watching the, you know, that game yesterday on TV. I mean, honest to God, I have to put anything away that I could possibly throw at the TV because it's just so frustrating. Um, yeah, as far as the last couple of weeks are concerned... I guess we'll never know what's gone on, will we? You know, from Johnson being sacked on that Sunday um, to the drawn-out affair, which resulted in Alec Neal um, being photographed in his tracksuit on uh, Friday afternoon at Durham train station. Uh, Again, as I say, I guess we'll never know. Um, It just seems so crazy because I think we all said earlier in the season that this season felt different to the previous ones. Like, actually, we're watching a good attack in football. There seems to be a plan. We've recruited differently. Um, but, I, yeah, just fast forward a few months, and again, the arse has just fallen out of it, and we're scratching our heads thinking, watching that game yesterday, like, how is that team that, you know, demolished Chef Wed a couple of months ago turned into this team who had one shot on target against the worst form team in the league, and that was from a, a free kick. Um, what's happened, you know? And obviously, dropping and changing the team. They made, what, five, five, six changes last week. A few of the new boys were in yesterday. And then, um, you know, listening to the post-match interview with Alec Neal yesterday, you know, he's touched on the fact that these kids are burnt out. You know, he's come out and said it. So I don't know how they're going to react to that, you know, that he's come out publicly and, and said so. And then on the other side of things, the the new players who brought in the this the older ones haven't played any football. Um, 
So he's, he's got to try and find a way to, to get a tune out of them. And we're also, you know, I completely forgot about people like McGeady in 09, um, who hopefully will be coming back into the squad sometime soon because, let's be honest now, especially, you know, Rotherham winning again today, it's scrap for the playoffs, isn't it? That's what it's going to be. Um, they probably did us a favour with Chef Wade being beaten um, because I think you know, with their game in hand, then they would have been in a place to, to go above us. But it's got a week on the training ground now, get to know them um, and, and try and try and pull something together for, for MK Dons next week and, and the, what is it, 13, 14 games to, to come. I think, I'll come to you, Dave, and, and I think, you know, we there's part of me that's like, I just want to get on with it and not waste any more energy. I'm, I'm relatively, well, I'm not relatively, I'm, I'm really happy with Alex Neil, um, to be honest with you. I think it's a good appointment. Um, I've got friends who are Hamilton fans and he did a great job with them at 32 with no manage, managerial experience and um, Norwich fans and, and Preston fans have spoke really, really highly of him. Um, and if he was appointed a couple of days after uh, Johnson was sacked. I would have said a bit of a bit of a coup, really, because um, you know I think he said it himself in his interview. But my, my anger is definitely not directed at the man they've appointed. Far from it. Um, I just think it's raised so many questions and what the bloody hell's happening with the football club at, at the top, Dave. And I think that's the problem. It, it, you know, without going too deep into it, because we all know, or most of us can see how much of a mess those should we say two weeks just under were, but basically it raises more questions than answers on, on how the club's been run. And I think we're over a year now into the alleged new reign, new reign, I will say very loosely, I think, um, of Kirill Louis-Dreyfus. And it's not very impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not wanting KLD out yet, but it's not impressive. And it's certainly smacks of um, a really amateur nature for a club of this size and a club of this fan base, Dave, but um, it does raise more questions than answers, doesn't it? It definitely does, mate. It's, it's, it's painful. Like, what, what can you say about it? Like, how can you find the positive in it? I try to be, I try to be like, like my old man is staunch. How how can you tell a bloke who's 72 year old that what he's thinking and what he believes in is completely and utterly wrong? Up until historically, up until the last four years, they've only ever put up with this level of football once before. So how can I tell him he's he's wrong when he tells me every week that this football club is the worst he's ever seen in the history of his life at 72 year old? And I want to say to him, like, be fair. Take your rose-tinted glasses off. But I can't, can I? I? I can't tell him he's wrong because it's historically true. I think it's, it's actually true what he's telling us. I think it just stems from the top, mate. I, I think, um, and and the scary thing for me out of all of it is there's um there is a bit. I mean, I think some texts that were allegedly Charlie Methven got posted today. I, People might notice I retweeted them. I don't think they're a secret. Um, I don't have Charlie Methven's phone number. I don't know. Um, I've been in a room with him once or twice. Um, thankfully, haven't for a while. But um, 
say they say they were it kind of aligns with the things he said before in in local press about us and and it's i mean we'll come we'll, you know what i'll come on i'll come on to my film but i think the fan base itself does seem to have a a bit of a i think most of the world's divided at the minute isn't it but there's a little bit of division in terms of what people think is right rightly right and wrong and, and everyone's opinion are more you know what everyone's opinion is right in a way like it's i've got to be respectful of that but there's some people who think that um you know kld has nothing to answer for and and that doesn't need to be explained and there's the other half that think it has to be and, and ultimately it, just, it it feels a bit sad the whole lot of it doesn't it it does feel sad mate and then but then throw on top like i went to cheltenham on tuesday night sorry. i watched I watched this. Yeah, sorry. I went to the full game. I watched the full game on Saturday. Right now, you feeling all right? Just about me. Yeah, the, hence the reason for the few sherbets <laughs> tonight. I tell you. <laughs> but you look at it for as much division as we can cause between who's right at centre half, who's right here, who's right there. What's going on off the field? Out of it, it shows you how simply we are to be pleased really doesn't it because i i think you will struggle to find anyone who tells you the person who's head and shoulders above anyone in the last 180 minutes of football is jay Matetti. and he hasn't done anything fantastic no he just wore the shirt on his back with a little bit of pride and i think ultimately that's all we do that's all we demand for a start but also what we deserve as a fan base. And that comes from whether you're the owner of the football club, whether you're the chairman, whether you are a board director, whether you are a player, whether you're a coach, just wear your heart on your sleeve. Now, Alex Neil has demanded, not demanded, sorry, that's the wrong word. He's already got a few fans on his side based on the fact that he basically turned around and said, listen, if we don't book our ideas up the next 14 games, we're in trouble. And that's all we want. We just, we can see it. <laughs> the, the problem is, or the difference is, people will say, right, why are you a big club anymore? I'll tell you why we're a big club. We have 38,000 fans against bottom of the league of the table. That's why we're a big club. Nothing to do with anything else. Nothing to do with this, that and the other. Nothing to do with the players. We're... We're literally a huge club in this division because we have 38,000 fans against Doncaster Rovers. And probably out of them 38,000 fans, you'd be lucky if 20,000 fans actually expected to win. <laughs> Nobody probably expected to win the game. I mean, that that Doncaster game, I said, um, would win 5 now, and my guest on the preview <laughs> show said 7 now, and... Um, that didn't really work out, but there was like people going, Oh, it felt a bit nice this week because we've signed the phone yet. We'll just get beat one out, and then lo and behold. But I mean, we'll go on to the footy, but there's been so much off it, Phil. Um, look, we've had a bit of a laugh about it and stuff like that, but to, uh, for, for me, it's a genuine concern. I know it's not for everyone, for me, it really is. Um, Charlie Meffin, once again, was at the game on Saturday, he's appearing more and more, and, and understandably for a lot of fans. That raises many questions based on the things he said in the past and, and mainly because he said he'd, well, he said he'd resigned in uh, December 2019 for a variety of reasons of which I have the, the quotes here if, if need be. But um, there's been a lot of chat about the fact that he's there. Um, 
What do you personally make about Methven turning up at games and the rumours that he has involvement in sort of the manager's choice or um, more so than he said he was going to have, give or take, two years ago? Uh, let's be honest, I think it's absolutely insulting. Um, you know, Dave said we're a big club because we've got lots of fans, which we do, but are we actually just mugs? Because it seems that way at the minute, you know, 38,000 in because we signed a, an ex-player who's kicking 40. <laughs> you know, everybody got excited about it and it's like trying to just have all the crumbs of comfort, but yeah, we're just having this absolutely taken out of us now. Um mm-hmm. I saw there was more calls during the week on a couple of the forums about we're going to have to, you know, there's going to have to be some kind of protest. I know there's another meeting with the collectors, supporters, clubs and whatnot this week with the club, but whether anything's going to be resolved with that, um, probably not. It just seems to be the can gets kicked down the road and they'll probably have the same discussions again six months later. But yeah, this uh, method, I mean, 2019, you said at the beginning of the show there, Christ, I think he's now reappeared three years later, having, as you say, resigned. That is just absolute piss take. Um, and when it comes to Dreyfus, you just don't know because we never hear from him, do we? I mean, what, two, three interviews in the time he's been there? Again, not really saying a great deal. Um, we don't think we ask for much. I mean, Dave spoke about Metete there being yeah. a breath of fresh air, just somebody putting a shift in in the centre of the park without particularly setting the world alight. But yeah, I mean, on the field, that, that is what we're looking for. But I know, Graham, you're probably envisaging this this wee pod focusing on what's going on off the field, and rightly so. Um, and it's it, the focus has gone that way because of the terrible results that have been taking place uh, on the field. So... <sighs> Honestly, until they are gone, we've got no way forward. And every day that goes by, that they're still there, is a day we're just going to be held back. Um, I mean, the three of us, you know, we're all from Sunderland. We don't live in Sunderland anymore. But we know that that football club is the heartbeat of the city, you know. And if if it's sick, which it is at the minute, then the, the city suffers for it. So until they get those guys out the club paid off whatever has to be done then uh, we're just going to keep having these conversations and as soon as we go on a, a bad run then the focus goes back on the fact that they are just taking the piss out of us yeah I, I mean I think I think you summed it right for me and again I'll repeat I think everyone has their own opinion and this is just mine um, I think Charlie Methven being around the club is really insulting incredibly to be honest Um I think you, you said it's taking the piss out of us. I, I think so as well. Um, I'd like, I'd love to have a sit down and chat with uh, KLD. I really would, and ask him hey, first and foremost, you know, what is the shares? I understand that he probably has the most, but collectively, just a straightforward answer: Does Donald Methven and, and Satori have more? Um, if he tells me no, I've got the you know the control and interest or the. The majority, fair enough, no, no problem at all. Then my next question would be, you know, why, if that is the case, is Charlie Methvin so present? Um, someone who's openly been quite critical of fans in quite a demeaning way. I think what was it? Northern people don't understand. Northeast people don't understand business. I certainly don't. I'm pretty bad. But there's one or two things I'd like him to explain to me, since he's so well educated in it. Um. And maybe I'll understand, you know, how he acquired the club because I've got a few questions about that. If I'm honest with you, but um, 
Yeah, I do. I think I think it's really insulting. I mean, he said 2019, just a snippet of what he said, said it was a really tough decision to make him leaving, that both his family and his work-related reasons, he felt it was something he had to do. I think at the time, I think him and his partner were expecting a child or something like that, and he was taking, away, taking time away from... The club was taking time away from him being, you know, husband, which is absolutely understanding respect, you know, 100%. He said, as a shareholder, I'll, of course, take a very keen interest, whether that means attending matches. Um, I don't know. It certainly appears to be. And how we get on in the coming months. This is in 2019. And there are a couple, a couple of projects away from the day-to-day running of the club. I would assume day-to-day running would mean choice of manager. I don't know. Um whether he's been involved in that or not, strong rumours he has, but obviously no proof. And he'll continue to help Stuart and Juan, who has now returned to the country. Haven't seen Satori for a while. Haven't really seen him ever, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm not just pigeonholing Charlie Methvin here. I think there's a few people that need answers to that. But uh, away from all that, <laughs> Jesus, um, am I angry? Yes, I'm angry. Um, away from all that, Dave, Alex Neal's appointment, if I'm honest with you, seems to have gone down fairly well, which kind of flies in the face of Sunderland fans are really hard to please. We've been fucked about for 10 days. Roy Keane was coming, which I think we all thought was the right appointment. We get Alex Neal and everyone's gone, well, I'm disappointed. Well, not everyone, most people, sorry. Um, we're all different. We're not a hive mind. Um, have said, well, actually, that would have been an all right appointment if you just didn't fart about, but we've lost two games. Times you're farting about. There's the stuff going around saying that we decided he was the manager in 48 hours. That can't have been the case. It cannot have been the case. And if it is, it flies in the face of why it took an extra 10 days or nine days to appoint him um, when they eventually did announce him. But, you know, away from all that, Dave, away from all the noise that we're discussing at the minute, the appointment's gone down fairly well, I would say, with a big amount of fans. What did you make of Alex Neal as an appointment? You know, it's separate to everything else. Yeah. Exactly like you say, isn't it? It's it's just frustrating because in the grand scheme of things, he gets appointed 48 hours before, as you've already did do. It's probably a good appointment, mate. It like there's no problem with it whatsoever. To the fact of in his um opening interview, he said, Listen, do I actually want to come and do I actually want to come and coach at League One? He's effectively saying himself, is it good enough? Like, it's not, is it? And let's be honest, had, and no disrespect to Wigan, no disrespect to Chef Wed, would Alex Neal have went and joined them? Judging by his remarks, probably not. So in the grand scheme of things, it's probably a pretty good coup, to be honest. Um, Whether he's got a very good PR manager, whether he's just very (laughs) sincere, and I hope he is, um, his his post-match and pre-match comments, I'm all on board with. He's just honest. He's just being honest. And if that's how he realistically thinks, then we're probably going to have a good relationship, um, which I'm all for. Just, you know, I didn't want to hear about Sharks on a Monday. I genuinely don't. I don't give a shit. Um, what I want to hear is, is that, certain players weren't good enough. I, I want to hear that in order to win the next game, we've got to do this. In order to not get beat in a big, huge quarterfinal of an FA Cup or League Cup, we've got to do this. I'm all for it. It's how we live. It's how we breathe. It's all we want. 
you know, the, the thing is, unlike some of us, you've always got to get digs in, haven't you, against certain opposition. But nobody wants to qualify for the Champions League. No one wants to be challenged. We do. We do want to be challenged. Let's say, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it if they're offering exactly. it up. I'll take it. Weekend away in Barcelona. All right, fair but, enough. Not quite Cheltenham, but... But we don't expect it, do we? We've never expected it. We've never wanted it. We've, we'd love it. Of course we would. And I tell you what, the, the, the atmosphere and the buzz around the place would be phenomenal. But ultimately, we just don't want to be scraping the bottom of the barrel. And that's something that we've done for years and years. Even before we've had four seasons in the league one. Do you know what I mean? It's nobody wants miracles, but what we do want is we want we want an identity. We want a team who care. And ultimately, we've said plenty of times on this that in order to have that identity, in order to have that, you've got to have an extension of the fans as someone who runs the club. And, hey, if Alex Neil is that man, he's Scottish, he's bound to have a bit of passion. If there's anyone going to be more passionate Bell than Hill, Peter Hill, Exactly. Hill, yeah. if, if there's anyone going to have a bit more passion than people from the North East, it's probably the Scots. Let's be honest about it. Well, so, I think we have a long one in history with, with, with Scotland, which me and Phil will know with being part of the branch. I think, you know, Bobby Kerr, the, you know, people at the start of the formation of the club, Alex <laughs> Ray, you know, um, but there's, there's Alan Johnson um, sacked today, oh, a couple of days late, unfortunately, um, could have maybe been a shoe in for the job. Um, but you're right, you know, we'll laugh and joke about it. I think um, we'd love to, love to win stuff, but I kind of hop. I kind of hark for the days when I thought the club was dying just because we got beat at Bournemouth in the Premier League. <laughs> um, but but Phil, we spoke about when Johnson first went, and obviously I was vigorously not a fan of Johnson. Still, I'm not in terms of him being a manager. Never met him as a bloke. You didn't mind him so much, Phil. You, you understand the flaws and why people were having a go. But when he went, we ultimately went, well, he's gone, and we had that long conversation. And before Keane was even mentioned, you quite fancied Alex Neil, so you were quite happy with the appointment. And I think like many Sunderland fans, he's got lots of positives, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I get it with Johnson. He was a bit like Marmite, wasn't he, let's be honest. But I thought he was the first manager in quite a while who actually did see the game. He just maybe didn't communicate it quite as well as he could. Uh, but anyway, that's done now. So, yeah, when it, when it, the job came up, um, and let's be honest, we seem to still have no money. Um, so it was always going to be who's out of work because we don't then need to pay compensation for them. And looking at the list, Alec Neil was the one before he'd even been linked with the job for me was, was um, absolutely the one that I thought they should have been going for. Always quite liked him. I mean, yeah, as you say, he's been a manager eight years now and he's, he's still only 40. Um, I think you'll get a lot more straight shooting from him than, than you got with, with Johnson. And I know you, you know, you'll particularly like that. Oh, getting some wine delivered here. <laughs> um, so, who knows? Listen, it, it doesn't really matter, does it? At the end of the day, we just want something on the field that we can all get behind. Um, oh, Christ, I mean, just the thought of this time next year, and we're still in this bloody league, man. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's yeah. like, a that's why you're getting delivered wine, Phil, isn't it? Um, I, I know, I know. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a good appointment. Um, I'm 
probably going to enjoy listening to him. I enjoyed yesterday's post-match analysis. He, he's, I see, he gave it straight. Um, I think it will be a good fit. As you say, Dave, you know, as far as passion goes, the people of the Northeast and the people of, of Glasgow in particular, um, uh, very aligned. So I think that'll be all right. Um, but I hope that one of the reasons he's come is that he sees something there in that squad that he can actually get it done this year. I believe after the 40-minute training session on Friday, he said he liked what he saw. Um, and he. I also quite like that he said he needs them now to, to, to transmit that from training onto the field under pressure. Because let's be honest, whether he was alluding to the fact that we seem to crumble at League One grounds away from home, you know, we're not in the coziness of the stadium of light because that seems to be where all the shit shows have happened. Um, maybe that's what he's trying to say to them through through that interview. But uh, yeah, well, let's let's see what the week brings. You know, come because that's next Saturday is going to be tough. MK Dons are banging form. Um, good example of a manager who's just got a team playing for them. They all know what they're doing. No superstars. Um, you know, there's always one who seems to the gate crash and, and they're they're on a hell of a run. So realistically, we probably go into that match second favourites because looking at the form table, they're the ones tearing it up. Alex Neal spoke really well. I thought I, I thought the same about Johnson after the Wigan game. I thought he sort of nailed it and maybe I thought of that about a few managers before, but I I do feel like Alex Neal is not speaking from a PR standpoint of going, oh, I know what the Sunderland fans say and I, I, know, I know what they want to hear. And all that. I think he's just kind of called it as he sees it. I think, you know, everyone's different. I'm not saying everyone in Glasgow's the same, but it's a pretty straight shooting place, especially somewhere like Bells Hill and he's managed it. I know we probably on the face of it look like the biggest club he's managed, but obviously Preston and Norwich are not necessarily, especially Norwich, it's not a unpressurised environment. Norwich are a big club. Um, historically have won stuff historically are always in a battle for promotional allegation with its own um, pressures so I think he I think he probably gets the magnitude of the job I think he probably sees what we all see and, and one of the big things he pointed out was they had a lot of players Dave and their first senior first um, senior season who were tired if, if I'm being honest with you I think when you're talking about Callum Doyle and and Daniel, I think you need to use the word knackered. They look absolutely spent. And um, even Roscoe looks spent, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And then he said, there's too many experienced players, Dave, that are not much fit, essentially. And you can't really disagree with that either. But the important thing is not that he calls it right, Dave, it's how does he remedy it? If you're Alex Neal, you're going into the game against MK Dons, you know, you know what the problem is, but how do you fix it? Two comments. First one. Remember when that piss party stopped? No. Yeah, I, I haven't quite worked out when it stopped yet. Because it hasn't. It's I can tell you when it started. I can tell you when yeah. it started. Oh, I can, yeah, I can totally relate to that. I can tell you when it started, but I guarantee you it hasn't stopped. 1986, um, the year I was born is when it started, I think. For those <laughs> for those who have any element of doubt. <laughs> um, And the second part of the answer simply comes from the only way that it is now remedied because of how far into the season we are is through man management and inspiration because there isn't enough to change it. We haven't got enough legs. We haven't got enough numbers. We haven't got enough bodies to change it. Okay, let's be honest. 
I know a lot of people, and it, it always happens when you get new managers, doesn't it? There's talk of a free transfer here and there. So I think I've heard Andrea Wisdom move mentioned a few times, Played which under, I must admit, Neil before on, Norwich, I think. Yeah, and on on the on the grand scheme of things, it's probably not a bad shout because one, he's versatile, and two, he's only twenty eight year old, so it's not a bad shout at all. Uh, Alex Neil obviously knows him personally as well. So first and foremost, yeah, I think that's a shout. But secondly, it just comes from can Alex Neil make something click? Just make something click that that works something out. Because <laughs> hate the name. Well, I don't hate the name drop, but I was talking rough because I'm a dirty gambler. I went to the betting shop yesterday, um, and I actually had. <laughs> bearing in mind that Alex Neil has, every time he's took over a club, he's always won his first game in charge. So of course, he's, of course he took over Sunderland and decided <laughs> to ruin that in advance because he knew that was coming. <laughs> because of course, of course, I thought to myself, yeah, it just makes sense. It makes sense to go and back Sunderland. We're away against a team that are bang out of form. We got a new manager, new manager bounce. Did we win? Simple as that. But anyway, <laughs> and I was talking to an ex-professional footballer who had a good career, um, actually played Premier League football and stuff like that. And he goes, Dave, what is going on? What Kevin, is going on? Kevin Cole. No, made probably even a little bit better. Glenn Little. I'll tell you what, if you type it into YouTube, he scored Forest. probably the top five. Top no. five. Redden. Yeah, Redden, Burnley. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he said, he said, who have you got? So literally, I didn't expect him to know who Dennis Serkin was. He still he still analyzes football. He still does a lot for Burnley and Redden. And he, he Dennis Serkin hadn't heard of Anthony Patterson. Fair comment. I then came to our forward line, and who we've got in and around. I said Alex Pritchard, the the bloke who was at Tottenham and then went to Huddersfield and like X amount of millions. I said, yeah, that's him. He went all right. I said, Jack Clark. Jack, what? Leeds? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, no problem. Anyone else? Patrick Roberts comes off the bench. What? The Fulham kid who went Man City for 17 million. Yeah, that's him, mate. Yeah, that's him. He's like, my God, how are you not scoring goals? I said, Glenn, not only are we not scoring goals, we're not even hitting the target. You think about it, we've just played in the last week 180 minutes of football. And the only two goals we scored have been moments of magic from Alex Pritchard. I think there's Alex Neil's answer, if I'm honest. If he can find a way of creating goal-scoring chances, one, it's going to help Stewart. I mean, Stewart's still on 18 goals for the season and leading the top goal-scorer charts. So that tells you everything. Um, Defoe, Defoe hasn't had a sniff yet. He had one, one half-chance against Shelton. If he can remedy that, there's goals in us. Okay, I've always said we're going to concede goals because we're not great coming back. But I think that's the answer to him. So, yeah, that's what it is for me, mate. God, I hate Sunderland. Um, anyway, we're going to break. You don't really. No, I love him. Um, we're going to break because there's a lot of chats that we have to go on here. We'll be back after a... A death metal interlude. You enjoyed it last time. So uh, protect your ears. Death metal incoming right now. 
Hello and welcome back to uh, the second part of the What the Fork. I don't even know if it's a reaction review. Quote what you want. I don't give a shit. Um, I hope you the enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call it that. Um, I hope you enjoyed the death metal interlude. I haven't quite decided what it is yet, but I'll make sure that it's something that will damage your ear- earlobes. Um, we're talking before about a, a load of stuff. Um and there's so much to dig into that I don't think I don't think we really have the time to give every element justice. But we'll go into the match a little bit. Um, we spoke before, Phil, about what Alex Neal had said. And I think at the start of the season, we all kind of aligned with the recruitment idea to an extent. If I'm well, not all, like, you know, a lot of people went, you know, young, hungry players have got ability to grow and maybe have a sell-on and, and yada, yada, yada. Young, hungry players, on the face of it. It's really good. And, you know, a lot of them's worked out. Ross Stewart. Um, yeah, I know Serkin's been poor and, and whatnot. But, you know, in the main, I think that would work. The, the problem being that we've probably bought way too many of them. Um, and and I think now when you look at the call light of day and what more than halfway through a season, which is probably the right time to judge what the recruitment's been like this season, there's probably a fair few question marks, especially when it comes to the fact that we sold all of our defenders in January. Um, Speakman's been getting a little bit of heat, Phil. Um, do you think his job this season and his the recruitment process, you know, deserves to be brought into question at the minute? It deserves to be brought into question because of what's developed over the lot. Well, what have we won one game this year? Uh, so simple me. as that. You know, that's why it has to be brought into question. Um, and ultimately, come the end of the season, then we'll we'll decide, and he'll be judged on whether this it's been a success or a failure. Because I was a, something like six of the starting eleven yesterday were twenty one or, or younger, mm-hmm. and something else Neil drew attention to. Um, we all remember the old famous phrase about you'll win nothing with kids, but the, there's definitely a, a, an out of balance there. I remember going down to. Carlisle about six, seven years ago to watch a preseason friendly. And we were in the Premier League at the time. I don't know if you were, you guys were at that game, but at half time, he basically took all the first team players off and put on what what was the under 23s. I, thought, I think it was the team with like um, Gooch uh, was in it, um, Honeyman, you know, those lads were fairly, fairly decent team. And you thought, oh, actually, that was quite refreshing. But we're effectively now playing a season with these kids, you know. and but it looks like it's all catching up with them. And you're bang on what you said. I know Stuart's maybe a little bit older. I know he's not in that bracket, but he's he's, he's not much older than that. I don't know what's happened to him because the last few games, it's not just that he stopped scoring. He's, his touch is off. I mean, his first touch is bouncing away from him. There was a good number of times yesterday where he was trying to play just a short three-yard pass and it was the weight of the pass was wrong. Or it was going straight to the opposition. He's not winning the headers. He's not winning any headers. You know, the ball's going up to him and the centre-halves, Cheltenham, Doncaster, Wimbledon, they're all dominating him easily. Um, so, yeah, back to Speakman. I, will, I think we should judge at the end of the season. We're in a bad place at the moment. We know there's a team in there because we've been top of the league this season a couple of times. Um, you know, we were on the train coming back up from that Portsmouth game, which I think, is, is that the one game we've won yeah. this year? And we were joint top of the league. We did a we did a podcast, didn't we, on the way back up on the train. Thinking, okay, 
I was obviously pre-Bolton thinking, right, got a new centre-half in, sorted the problems out of the back. Pre-Bolton. <laughs> Pre-Bolton sounds like pre-COVID. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> before the world changed, before the world ended. Um, I mean, but you're not wrong there, I think. Um, we ought to try and have some hope, and I think that's probably our best hope, is that we know there is a, there's a team in there somewhere because we've seen it. And it wasn't, you know, Flanagan and O'Brien. It wasn't because of them. You know, it's not about the guys who are no longer there. I think we have strengthened, you know, your, your people like Clark and Roberts, they can get up to match fitness, which they will, whether it's next week or, or, or next month, um, by getting minutes under the belt, then we can hope for something. But um, the final one is, yeah, Doyle just, God, man, I feel sorry for him. He's... Me too. Yeah, I think he's probably played more minutes than anybody this season and he's he's struggling. Um you were talking about the team there and then being under 21 as well, Phil. He's he's got up next to him that's um like got experience apart from Bailey Wright and he's only just came back. Like Flano, obviously, I know he's rocking the past few weeks. Mad decision to sell anyone, let alone Flano without replacement. But I suppose you're taking like 28, 29, actually 30 years of experience out. When you sell players like Flanagan and alongside Doyle, you've got Sergan, who's same amount of experience. I know he's older, but it's the same amount of experience. And you've got Tri Hume, who's literally just starting his career in the English leagues and has played in the Irish leagues, which, you know, not a bad standing comparison to League One, let's be honest. I can't say I watched it extensively, although I have recently because I think it was Glenn Torr and Linfield or something I watched the week and it was proper feisty. And I was like, I'm totally signed up with this Northern Irish League now. Um, but he hasn't got a great deal around him and experience, and his keeper now is also well. Any keeper he plays, unless it's Lee Burge as a kid, um, is it less so, Phil? The because I cut you off then fully aware of it, and I can't remember where you're at. So, um, but is it less so? Not so much the players we brought in, but more the lack of variation in terms of position, and also the fact that there's not been enough experience brought in to fit alongside them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's gone on on that last day of the transfer window where apparently we panicked and tried to sign a centre-half in the last hour and they both fell through. I think the lad at Peterborough uh, was Beavers. Beavers. You know, their chairman came out and said Sunderland uh, didn't want them, you know, halfway through the window and then they came back in in the last hour and tried to get them, which it obviously would have then left Peterborough without uh, a, a centre-half. So I don't know what's gone on there. Um, so it does seem really out of balance. It looks... Looks like we're going to have to play a four, I think. Um, we know our best performances defensively have been when we played a five, you know, three centre-halves and, and two wing-backs, but Sergin and, and Hume aren't wing-backs, they're full-backs. Gooch, when he's back, which he will be, can't defend. He, he, positionally, he doesn't know how to, so I think that's that Sheffield away game was a great example of that. He was just completely lost. We know we'll have one decent game in 10 going forward. Um, but probably first and foremost, he's going to have to find something that works and stick with it. And that good run we went on, Johnson was kind of forced to go with a team because he had nothing else. In it. And we said that, didn't we, on one of the podcasts a few months ago when things were going well. It's actually just come about by chance because he had that was the people he had available and that was the only real system he could, he could throw them into. And um, I hate chopping and changing the team all the time. Certainly in the defence, I think, historically, just doesn't work. If you keep changing the defence all the time, 
you're just going to keep conceding goals and it's just the moral, it doesn't matter how many good attacking players you've got, it's just demoralising for them when as soon as a team goes forward, it looks like they're going to score against you. So I think that's probably his, his, his first task is to is to find something and stick with it. And there might be a couple of sticky games along the way, but that's where the consistency is going to come from. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's, you know, again, I'm not, I, I, I really like Funnel as a person that I've never met. Which sounds mental. Um, but like I've never I thought Flanagan was having a decent season and looked a bit rocky and probably needed to be took out a little bit. And but I think and Speakman said on the unfiltered podcast about how he wanted to be fair to him and that the deal was in agreed and he only had six months left on his contract. And I think I said this a few weeks ago, but I just think that's a bit daft. Like I get that he wants to be nice to Tom Flanagan, but no, I'd really like him to be nice to. Sunderland, who he's, he's paid by to make these decisions and say, sorry, Tom, I know that, you know, your family life and having a, a contract is fine. I mean, Cotwell came out and said it was probably a move we were going to make in the summer anyway, so I'm delighted we got him soon. So that indicates to me that, you know, there wasn't any worry that we weren't going to like let him go at the end of the season or he wasn't going to have security at the end of the season. I ah, could break his leg and that doesn't happen, but that's, you know, it's by the by, could break his leg for Shrewsbury. And I, ju- I just think it was a bit short-sighted. I don't think Tom Flanagan would have made our season, but I think having a few more options and, and actually making sure the team's not weak. I mean, when you look at the defence even, I mean, I certainly wasn't a big fan of Denver Hume, but... If Dennis Certain gets injured, who the hell do we play at left back? Tyree Stice, another young lad with under twenty three football maximum that was released from West Brom. I mean, it's just, it's just short sighted. And, and, and one of the positions we have, Dave, is well, first and foremost, Patterson's been in the, the net the past few days. I think since he's been in the team, since he's came back from that county, he hasn't kept a clean sheet yet in the games he's played. Um, I'm going to make a bold statement here, and it's not because I dislike Hoffman because I really don't but I don't see much of a difference between Patterson and Hoffman. I think I'd be quite happy to call Patterson in the season, Dave, and there's a few more decisions there. We talked about Stewart before, and Lyndon Gooch wasn't even in the squad on um, Saturday. Talk about keeping a settled team. I agree with Phil on that. I think it has to be. I think we have to get some momentum going and, and get some kind of cohesion. But if you were to make changes, what would the changes be for you? Just to, just to kind of retouch on a point that you just made, just remember the piss party is over. That's the second time I've said this in this show. And we're letting players go without adequate backup. But remember, the piss party is over. So don't ever forget that. Um, in terms of... Sundell in, in Land. Terms of, Do you remember that? Sundell <laughs> Land. Yeah. yeah. In terms of goalkeeper, Patterson, yeah, it, you can see it. I, I, I basically, I was a, I was four rows back at Cheltenham on Tuesday night. Cheers, Phil. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Good work for the team there, Dave. <laughs> and like, I was so close to the pitch. Two points. One, Sunderland as a unit do not talk to each other. They are. So null and void of voices, it's oh, scary. Huge lack of leadership on that pitch, Dave. I'm sorry to interject, but you're absolutely oh. right with that, like me. I mean, didn't get me wrong. I love his brother, um, so I'll be as nice as I possibly can be in case Johnny ever wants to come to the podcast in future years. 
Hi, Johnny. How are you doing well? Uh, if you want to come back, you're welcome on the podcast as well. Um, but Corey Evans has just got, I wouldn't say no leadership, but it's not, it, it, I mean, Bailey Wright, fair enough, a little bit. I think Bailey Wright talks. I was at the Atom game. He does talk. Um, he was talking a little bit. Flannel did a little bit. Um, based on some of the mishaps he had, I probably wouldn't have bothered myself. But but to be fair to Flannel, like he did speak. But we're talking like two or three players on the pitch that speak. Corey Evans doesn't really. And we're meant to have this leadership team. <laughs> it's starting to get the feeling that the leadership team is a little bit like uh, the UK government literally couldn't <laughs> couldn't couldn't get that's something done under the droid. That, that's <laughs> a pistic party indeed. Oh, getting political here. Um <laughs> but you, you're right, no. Dave. There's lack of leadership there, mate. And, and and you know you kind of be looking to young boys like um, I, I think Patterson and Hoffman there's much and muchness, but they're both young boys in terms of experience and take Bailey right out of that defense and with Flannel gone. You've got a bunch of young kids where, you know, you'd like to think Dennis Certain can be the skip roaring captain and Callum Doyle can be the same, but they're here to learn the game. Well, Callum Doyle's here to learn the game and, and Certain's here to, to learn his trade a bit more and hopefully progress with us. But you, you, there's no leadership, Dave. You, you're totally right. Like, there's no one in that defence that goes, gan here, gan here, gan here, do that. Definitely, mate. It, it, it's, it's frustrating because it's... Pr- <sighs> You're either a, you're either a chopsy fucker or you're not a chopsy fucker. And as we can all tell, that I'm chopsy. Like I love a bit of a chat. I love a bit of kind of this, that, and the other. And obviously, I manage a team day on day out. It's kind of it's second nature to me. So if it's not second nature to you, I can understand how it would be a little bit difficult. But I tell you what, that's maybe where Alex Neil will come into his own a little bit because he clearly is a leader. Whether he was the right fit for us, whether he's the right man at the right time, however it goes, he clearly is going to be stood up and be counted. And I've worked that out after 72 hours of him being in the job. So that might just give us an extra 10%, which, to be honest, we we need an extra 50% at the minute, but we'll take an extra 10%. Um, you know, Hoffman, for example, and I think all it is between him and Patterson you 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 asked the question before of what I don't see much difference between them. What is it? For me, it's just a mentality thing. Hoffman is comfortable playing that risky pass at the back. He's comfortable. He might not get it right. He's learning. He's only however old he is, 20-year-old. He he has got a lot of mistakes to make before he's a good good goalkeeper. But he has that confidence to make the mistake. And that probably comes from training with Manuel Neuer and stuff like that. Patterson hasn't had that luxury. Do you know what I mean? He, I mean, Patterson's been here that long. He probably, unfortunately, tra- trained with Lurpak wrists. Do you know what No one needs to have, no one needs to have had a practice session with Labour, uh, Labour, Lee Camp, sorry. That's just the, that's maybe the little bits of percentages and differences that we need. And hopefully, you know, that there's something there that Alex Neil can bring that will just push us on that extra couple of percent. Because let's be honest, we need them couple of percent at the minute just to get us in the playoffs. We're not talking about automatic promotion anymore. We need them playoff places. And yeah, you you nailed it earlier. Rotherham have done us a favor. Rotherham have run away with it now. Let's be honest, they're done. They're dusted. It's as simple as that. 
and I understand Rotherham fans are going to stand. No, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. They're done and dusted. They don't concede goals. They know how to win. They're done and dusted. Wigan, not particularly playing well. I had a conversation with Bowers the other week, and he's like, "No, no, they're going to falter. They're going to falter. They find ways to win games." It's a yesterday. They were one 0 down. They won two one. That is what we're missing. And I, this part of me, and I hate it. And we might falter at the final hurdle because I never believe in Sunderland going into a playoff game, especially a playoff final. I just don't believe in us, and that's shit to say. But he might just get us that little bit extra over the line, and then it's just a lottery of actually trying to win that last game, isn't it? Who knows? And he loves a he loves a playoff. Does does Alex Neil? He's won one with Hamilton. Jason Cummins might remember that. Um, and obviously Borough fans will remember they did really well with Norwich after they were being quite out of form. Um, but I think there's a few questions with it, the lineup. I think Patterson and Hoffman's probably one when Hoffman comes back. Gooch completely dropped from the entire squad. And hey, I'll, I'll never have bad memories of him than Gooch, but I think his time's off. I've said that a while. I think just fresh move for both of us. But we've talked about Stuart before, Phil. Um Ross Stewart is definitely off form. Like he had loads of chances in the Doncaster game. I know he scored one on Leslie the referee, and don't believe that when the ball goes over the line, it's not a goal. Um, but Jermaine Defoe's been given like five, ten minutes here, and there's a few people that said, you know, if we bring Defoe, he's 39, is he really realistically going to start? My thought process was build him in quietly and stuff like that. And and we kind of have. We give him like 20 minutes against Doncaster. We give him less than 10 minutes against Cheltenham. Um, after we conceded, I mean, Mike Dodds' substitution for just infuriating, but that's no point in going over that. Um, he got given a bit more time by Alex Neal. Is it now time to maybe not necessarily change to four for Stuart, which you, you could do if you agree with, or maybe just start the four from the beginning to give Stuart a bit more help if you want to play them both? Um... I just, I, well, I know, again, we've spoken about this um, on WhatsApp and whatnot when they were obviously trying to sign him. I just can't see 39-year-old starting matches. I mean, if you think you're, his last season at Rangers, he didn't kick a ball. I mean, I remember asking my Rangers pals, like, where's Defoe? He's not even in the squad. You know, apparently he'd gone to play a coach and uh, it was just pretty much, he was fit, but he just wasn't getting selected in the match squad. Never mind getting anywhere near the team. Um, but it was noticeable. Did he come on on the hour mark yesterday? Again, it was a strange. I think he took Clark off, didn't he, and put, put Defoe on. Um, so probably getting a good point of that. He's not he's not afraid to mix it up formation-wise during a game, which I think is always a good thing if something's not working. Ultimately, it still didn't work because we still didn't ask any questions of them. Um, but that, to me, makes me think, do you know what, actually... Probably not this Saturday, but not too far away if Stewart is continuing to struggle. And I'm not just talking about scoring goals. As I say, his touch is winning his 50-50s. Everything is is not working for him at the moment. And maybe he does just need a, a seat on the bench for a couple of games. And Defoe is the only other one who can uh, who can who can start. So possibly. I mean, we'll obviously we'd all we'd all back him. You know, he's. He's got the ability. Um, he's so far off the pace match fitness-wise. You know, we can see that. I know, as Dave said, he got that wee chance against um, against Cheltenham. 
where the, the keeper got down and saved it, but probably realistically a good month away from anywhere near to where he would expect himself to be sharpness-wise. So, I mean, a couple of weeks of Stuart, for whatever reason, hasn't managed to get back to where he was. I don't know. I just think it's a big week this week. Just Neil gets him on the training ground. It's going to be a whole new um, way of doing things. And we haven't mentioned um, the assistant as well, Cannon, you know, who's brought in with him. He's very highly rated in Scotland. You know, he's Hamilton manager in the SPL for four seasons. Did very well. Again, very young. I was reading a, a piece about him yesterday that he's been around all these clubs around Europe, you know, learning about coaching and different ways of doing things. And there's a friend of mine who was a director at Hamilton, both when Alec Neal was there and when Cannon took over from him. And he said, you've got two absolute diamonds there. Those two are going to be a real good team together. So let's, uh, again, maybe have a bit of hope that that's going to come to play as well. Just a good match. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be totally honest. Obviously, I want to end on a positive as best as we can. Um, I'm not going to ask you to subscribe because you've gone to a thousand now. So that's it. I'm happy with that. Done. Um, that's that one done. Don't get me to 2000. I can't be bothered with that kind of um, subscriber level. You'll just call his name after a while. Oh, what, what goes up always comes down. So don't bother. Um, but yeah, on a positive note, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with Alex Neil. And um, as my Hamilton supporting friend called him, Kanzo, which I think is a great name. Um, at Kanzo with a Z, not an S. I, I do think, you know, if we're going to end on a positive, which there's not many of them at the minute, and, and you know, we've ran through a lot of the reasons for that in this podcast, I think on the face of it, Alex Neal's a good appointment. This kind of crap surely cannot go on much longer. Um, football is very cynical. Nothing's ever terrible forever, although it's really hard. To convince anyone that at the moment, but um, I like the way he started in t- terms of what he said. Um, I-, I think he'll get enough out of us to get us in the playoffs for the last 14 games. I don't think automatics is going to be a thing whatsoever, even if we win all of our games. I just don't see it, um, at all. I, I just don't see how Rotherham or Wigan drop enough points, or be it uh, you know, MK Dons now who are above us as well, I think. But I think Alex Neal's got enough to get us to. And, you know, he's won a playoff before and there's been many times and I've been very down with Sunderland. I think a few weeks ago, I, I said I felt like the club was dead. I got a little bit of heat for that. And I think a lot of that's to do with a lot of the stuff we spoke about previously with Methven and the ownership and just it not being the club I really recognised for a while. But hopefully, you know, Alex Neal is the start of me recognising that club again. And I think what's the famous saying? Things can only get better. Um as we know, they can get worse, but let's pretend they can't. Uh, League Two doesn't exist and getting beaten in the playoffs again will not happen. Please, God. But I think good appointment. I think, you know, fingers crossed, training ground, a relatively packed soul on Saturday with fans trying to get behind them and hopefully, hopefully sort of a win and run and, and, and less of this crap we've been used to in the past what, two months or so. Um, but Dave, thanks as always for joining us to, to vent and talk about football. Uh quote unquote and and Phil of course thanks for popping back on because I think you're a more popular voice than me and Dave so thanks for doing thanks for doing the listeners a, a, a duty I think it's just because you're a bit more balanced than me and Dave I think me and Dave just go on a rant too much um but that's so so, so it is um, but thanks it's for joining therapy us. and I'm the therapist <laughs> yes yes very much so um